Hi everyone, welcome back to Say You Want to Be a Vet, the podcast series where we bring you honest and open discussions about life as a veterinary student and share the inspiring and motivating experiences of vets from all across the industry, from their vet school journey and beyond. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can follow us on social media at Say You Want to Be a Vet, where we will be sharing behind the scenes clips, doing live Q&As and so much more. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel with the same name, where we upload regular videos such as CV and personal statement writing tutorials, interview skills, and so much more that will help you build a strong application to that school. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of So You Want to Be a Vet. Today we have a really exciting episode for you actually, because it's something a bit different. So it is still within our UCAS series, and it is still on the topic of interviews, but we're sort of focusing on a particular aspect of interviews today, and that is ethics. Now, ethics is probably a word that you've heard thrown around hundreds of times before. I'm sure you've heard us speak about ethics. I'm sure you've heard Bet speak about ethics, and you've probably come across it online when you've been looking at stuff to do with interview and, you know, within the vet profession, things like that. You might have read about it in articles, in wider reading. It's quite a sort of buzzword within the profession. So I just want to start off and talk to you about what we actually mean by the word ethics. So the actual definition for ethics is the moral principles that govern a person's behaviour or the conducting of an activity. Now, bit of a wordy explanation, bit of a wordy definition, but essentially ethics and your sort of personal ethics It sort of encompasses your morals and your thoughts, your opinions, your views on things in order for you to make decisions and sort of how you run your life. And that then applies to the veterinary profession because we will have veterinary ethics. There'll be ethics in the context of the profession and how you practice as a vet, because when you qualify, you need to use ethics to govern your decisions and to sort of allow you to make the decisions that you need to make so it's, it's a really big principle within vet med and you probably use it in your day-to-day life without even thinking about it if you're I mean and ahhing about you know you've said to somebody you're going to go to their party and you don't want to go to their party anymore you'll be weighing up and doing ethical decision making to decide whether it's right or wrong to skip that party because you want to you'll be deciding whether or not you think that's fair it's essentially that sort of thing you're deciding if things are right or wrong But within the context of the vet profession, it can get a little bit more complicated than that. But we're going to talk you through it. We're going to sort of break it down a little bit for you and make it a bit easier. So it comes up within veterinary interviews quite a lot. And Verity is going to talk to you about how it actually tends to form a part of the interview. Okay, so you'll come across ethics in interviews. They'll pose to you a certain situation or scenario where you have to talk through what you would do in this case. So it might be you're a vet and somebody's bringing that animal um, and there might be like a difficult like diagnosis or you might have trouble with the owner. So we're sort of considering what are the best steps to take in this situation. I think in the interview, it's really important to think about as a vet, what are your ethics? What are your personal ethics? What are your professional ethics? So, for example, for a vet, like the animal is our priority. But obviously, there are other things to take into account, such as like the owner's financial situation and the providing the best care as a vet, but also looking after ourselves. 
And there's no perfect answer to an ethical question. There could be many different answers that are all correct because you've backed it up with reasoning. Um, but there are certain, there's certain ways to sort of tackle an ethical question. So as I said, the animal is your priority. So that's sort of the number one. As a vet, we're looking after the animal, but you can't just use that. Yeah, there's multiple things, multifactorial answers. So you need to consider all the different stakeholders. What are their opinions? What, do, what are their needs in this situation? Um, so that's the owner, that's you, that might be the practice owner or your other colleagues. It's also the animals. So there are, there are probably a lot more people involved in your decision making than you might realise. You should consider any alternative solutions to the problem. So in veterinary practice, it's sort of a case by case basis. There's lots of different options. There's never a one size fits all answer to a scenario. So definitely, I think it can be really helpful in your interview to sort of discuss your thoughts and your like thinking process with the person who's interviewing you being like, I'm considering this or I'm considering this might be better um, to sort of show the interviewer that you know about all these things and you're considering which one might be the best in this scenario. So we'll be doing an example in the next episode. So definitely look out for that. So you'll see that we, we use the scenario of euthanasia and sometimes you need to escalate your response. So there are certain steps to take before we reach euthanasia. Obviously, that is a sort of, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but we, we, we don't want to jump straight to it for obvious reasons. And sort of something to consider while you're answering these, you have to be respectful and non-judgmental. Don't make bold claims. And as a vet, you're here to listen to the client and look after the pet as, as best you can. Yeah, definitely. So there's some really, really key, you know, pointers and advice there for you guys, because I think a common trap that people fall into when we're considering ethical problems is obviously, as Verity mentioned, the animal is always your top priority. And, you know, that that is normal because we're going to be practicing bets. However, you need to remember that every animal comes with a person. Now, whether that is a you know, a pet owner or a farmer or whoever that person might be, they all come with a person and you need to work with that person to achieve the best outcome for the animal. You, you can't just achieve the best outcome for the animal on your own because it's the person's decision at the end of the day what happens with that animal. And we often are quite biased towards the animal. We only consider what the animal needs and the best thing for the animal, but without considering you know, the impacts on the person as well. And if we forget about those impacts, we're sort of not really actually considering what is best for that animal. Because let's say, for example, we have a really young dog come in and the owners can no longer look after it properly. They've had a change in circumstance, perhaps a health problem or financial difficulties or whatever else it might be. And the owners are asking to euthanize it. Now, as Verity mentioned, we don't jump straight to euthanasia, but for argument's sake that this is what they've come in and asked for. On the one hand, we don't want to euthanise it because this is a young animal that's healthy and, you know, it doesn't need to be euthanised. So why would we? And a lot of people will be very firm in that and they, they will say, no, I would not euthanise it. And whilst you are within your rights to say, no, I would not euthanise it, you do also need to show that you can consider why euthanasia might be beneficial if you don't euthanize it and they take this puppy home then it might not have the best quality of life that it should have it might not be looked after properly now that might not be because the owners you know are purposefully doing that but if they've come to you and said look I like I can't look after it. I, don't, I, I don't know what else to do I'm stuck 
and you've said tough I'm not doing it it's, it's a very difficult situation and this is the thing with ethics they are difficult situations and it is really hard it is really hard to talk about and I want you guys to remember that in ethical scenarios if you're finding it a challenge that's normal because they are challenging scenarios and they're never going to be easy because unfortunately there's often not a solution that is sort of perfect for everybody there's often some sort of compromise but if you can show that you can think about everybody's sort of involvement in that and what everybody needs what everybody wants that includes you the owner the pet as Verity mentioned you know your colleagues the practice all sorts of people if you can consider all of those different things you'll be sort of best set up to deal with that ethical situation yeah nothing's ever black and white there's always nuances going on so don't don't sort of have like a rule that you'll never do this or you'll always say this it really just take it case by case think through if you make this decision what are the consequences of that like what are the positives negatives nothing's ever a perfect solution so just just consider the consequences of the decision you'll make and hopefully you'll find one that seems to suit everybody in the situation best Definitely. And a really key part of that process is explaining all of that thinking that's in your head out loud to your interviewer. Don't keep it all in your head until you've come to a decision and then just give your decision. Like the process of getting from the starting point of what you've been told to the end point of what you actually want to do in this situation is probably more important than your actual end decision because they want to see they want to see empathy from you they want to see problem solving skills they want to see decision making there's all sorts of skills within it that they will be looking for and if you don't give that process from like a to b you're not showing enough of those skills even though you've already done them in your head they can't see them in your head so make sure you're explaining them out loud now there are a couple of sort of key topics that often come up within ethics Um, scenarios now that's not to say that they won't ask you about anything else they might do but some key things are money problems and also euthanasia and there's a few sort of pointers of what can help you talk about those things so often they'll talk about clients that can't afford to pay for treatments and students often feel a bit stuck of well they can't afford to pay like I don't know what to do and they either sort of say that or they say, oh, I'd do it for free. You know, I, I really care about the animal and I'd do it for free. And that's a little bit problematic because as a functioning vet practice, you can't really be giving away treatments for free. A, because your time as a vet is really valuable and you don't want to sort of undervalue yourself. But also B, it's not your business. And that business would very quickly go out of business if all of treatments were being given for free to people that couldn't afford them. And then you're not going to be able to help anybody. If the practice is no no longer open, you're not helping any patients anymore or any clients. And that sort of then everybody suffers. Some alternative things that you can do when money is a problem is ask them about their insurance policy. Do they have insurance? What are the insurance company willing to pay out? Things like that. Potentially your practice offers payment plans. So instead of having to pay a lump sum there and then, they can spread the cost over potentially six months in different installments. Um, You might be able to consider cheaper treatment options. They might not be as effective, but they're something and they might be within the client's price range. Potentially sort of signing over 
ownership of that animal either to the practice or giving it to a different owner might be worth considering depending on how the client would feel about that and then sometimes charities such as the PDSA and and places like that will have sort of funding available for specific situations but that will vary on a case-by-case basis and if at the end of the day um treatment still can't be afforded when you've sort of gone through every option possible then if quality of life is sort of quite poor you will need to start considering euthanasia as an option instead so there are a few things you can do with regards to money problems however it is a very difficult situation it's a very sort of sensitive topic as well I think a lot of owners will feel very guilty if they can't afford it so it's a very difficult one to want to handle sort of sensitively and then the other key problem or sort of common thing that comes up is euthanasia. Now, I often find a lot of students aren't sure whether or not they're allowed to euthanize, like refuse euthanasia to an animal. And I'll sort of say to people, you know, ultimately at the end of this situation, the the client is adamant they want to euthanize. Would you or would you not do it? And they sort of look at me and they're like, oh, I don't don't, don't know. Am I allowed to refuse? And you are allowed to refuse to euthanize an animal. Like that is within your right as a vet. However, if you do that, you need to sort of recommend a different vet or put them in touch with a different vet to actually that that might consider it and that might do it. So you can't just say no. You can say, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that, but you know, my colleague might and sort of put them in touch with them. However, that's also a bit tricky too, because as I mentioned before, if you refuse to euthanize it and they take the animal home, you then don't know what sort of situation it's going to end up in. So Yes, you are allowed to refuse to euthanize it. And there are probably situations where you would do that. But it's also worth considering the implications of doing that and and knowing that, you know, it doesn't sort of end there if you do refuse. So, yeah, very important to consider. There are some ethical frameworks that can help you. And Verity is going to talk you through the sort of most important one that is useful. Okay, so you've probably heard of something called the five freedoms So it's very widely used and spoken about. And it's basically five expectations that we have um, of whether an animal is sort of being looked after. It's kind of like a baseline test of is this animal in a happy, healthy situation? So the five freedoms are the freedom from hunger and thirst, the freedom from discomfort, the freedom from pain and disease, the freedom to express normal behaviour, and then the freedom from fear and distress. So I find sometimes it helps to sort of break them down. So some of them are quite self-explanatory, like the freedom from hunger and thirst, but things like freedom to express natural behaviours, consider amount of space that an animal needs. If a dog is shut in a cage all day, it can't exercise, it can't move around like it would if it was sort of out in the world. So that's the sort of thing you're considering when you're evaluating a situation. You can use these five freedoms in ethical scenarios to sort of assess the situation. And they're really good to bring up because it shows you've done your research. It's something that like vets use. You can say, oh, I'm thinking about, does this animal have the freedom from pain and injury? And, you know, if if an owner can't afford to, like, can't afford surgery for their animal who's got a broken limb, you're thinking, oh, this animal is therefore not free from pain and distress, um, and therefore we're not giving it the best care we can. So the five freedoms I would highly recommend mentioning, they come into play in most ethical scenarios, and it's a framework that can just help, help you structure your answer and make sure you're covering sort of all points of animal welfare definitely would recommend bringing that up in an interview. 
Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. They're quite a sort of simple thing to remember, but they make you sound quite fancy and quite professional, um, which is quite nice. And I think it also is just a bit reassuring actually in the interview, like oh, I've, I've used something like that proper vets use. So it, it's definitely like a sort of useful thing to know about and to, to use within ethical scenarios. So We've covered quite a lot in this episode today. It's been quite a sort of, um, quite. we've given you quite a lot of information all about ethics. So I'm just going to give you a brief little summary. And as Verity has mentioned, we do have an episode coming out in the next two weeks about where we sort of, we run you through a practice ethics scenario and we'll give you feedback on you know how to sort of do it properly and our best tips and advice. So make sure you listen to that because it will help put all of this advice into practice but to summarize everything that we've spoken to you about today ethics situations are not easy please don't expect them to be easy please don't be surprised if you find it tricky that is completely normal proper vets are going to find it hard because you know they are hard situations and as we've mentioned there is normally some sort of compromise that's needed and the really key thing with ethics is that you are balancing your answers so you know are you considering everybody involved within that situation are you considering the animal the owner yourself the practice your colleagues consider all of these different people and the implications of each sort of action on each one of these people and that will really help you balance your answer and that sort of covers the, the main points that we've we've mentioned to you today if you can remember those things I think it will make it a lot easier for you when you're actually in ethical scenarios and if you can push yourself and learn the five freedoms and implement those two that will really really sort of help you out and sort of set you apart from a lot of other applicants so we hope you found this episode useful please remember to have a look out for our next episode coming out all on ethics scenario practice it's gonna be really useful and really sort of help you to think about what a good ethics answer looks like. And we hope to see you there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. So we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found it helpful, then please share it with others that you think will find it useful too. Again, make sure to subscribe to both our podcast and YouTube channel with the same name, So You Want To Be A Vet, to be notified of when our next episode is released. Also, don't forget to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram at So You Want To Be A Vet for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes and updates on all things So You Want To Be A Vet and Vet Mentor. Remember to follow at Vet Mentor 2 to learn more about the opportunities such as our interview skills workshops and our amazing summer school that will help you further your application to that school. If you have any questions or thoughts, then please comment them below the Instagram post for this episode. And if you want to hear us discuss something, then please let us know. You can find our email address in the description. Thanks for listening. Take care.